0: This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Aftershocks. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm Ally Feller and I'm your host. I'm a freelance writer and editor, a 7-time marathoner and a new mom to 6-month-old Annie. Every week on the Alley on the Run show, I talk with inspiring men and women who lead interesting lives on the run and beyond. And while running is what brings us all together on these episodes, I'm looking for more. So join me every Thursday to learn about the decisions people have made to get where they are today, the good ones and the bad ones, and how getting sweaty has factored in. Today I'm hanging out with Melise Galula, the co-founder of Well and Good. I've been writing for Well and Good for several years now, and I've always admired Melise's leadership, her vision, and her fearlessness. She has a keen eye, she's a brilliant writer and editor, and I've loved working with her over the years. So I wanted to bring her on the show to talk about starting something, about growing it, and about working really hard for something you believe in. Melise and her co-founder Alexia Brew saw a hole in the publishing industry and they knew exactly how to fill it. In a world of glossy magazines that was telling women to lose weight, get six-pack abs, and fit into a certain jean size, Melise and Alexia knew that wasn't what they wanted. So they launched Well and Good in an effort to be your super smart, like-minded best friend, someone who, as they described in those early days, liked Green Juice and SoulCycle and took both pretty seriously. Of course, the brand has evolved past just juice and boutique spin classes. It is now the ultimate go-to resource for wellness-minded women. But Melissa's point was that wellness was something that could and should be taken seriously. And bonus, we've got a giveaway to go with this episode. So head over to my Instagram at AllieOnTheRun1 for your chance to win a copy of the just released and so gorgeous Well and Good Cookbook, which includes recipes from Venus Williams, Leah Michelle, Missy Copeland, and more. All right, that was a mouthful. Let's get talking with Malise Galula. All right, Melise, welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I am so excited to get to sit here face-to-face talking with you today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I know we're usually connected
1: like through the internet. Oh, so
0: much email. So We've been much. emailing for like 10 years now. We have. We've known each other for 10 years now. Yeah, when I met you, you there were like four people on your staff, including you and Alexia. Yep. And you were in a tiny little office behind like a door with lots of graffiti on it
1: in the West Village. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You remember that space. OK, so that was like our second office because our first office was the cafe at Jeeva Mukti Yoga. Amazing. <laughs> they had good Wi-Fi. Amazing.
0: <laughs> well, I remember walking in. I had my dream job at the time. I was working at Dance Spirit, but I wanted to work for you. And I waltzed in with like 15 copies of Dance Spirit and was like, let me tell you about myself. Fast forward, you now have, what, 40 people on staff with you? Double. Yeah.
1: Double. We're about 80 now. 80
0: people. Yeah. All right. We need to talk about the road to getting there. Before we jump in, we start this like you start any good fitness class. We start with a warm up. I love it.
1: Warm us up. Tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do. Oh, my goodness. So, well, my name is Melise Galula. I'm the co-founder of Well and Good. And for the past 10 years, since I've known you, um, Alexia Brew and I have been growing this beautiful wellness website devoted to a lifestyle that a lot of people thought was like fluffy and frivolous. And we were like, no, it needs to be journalistic. Look at what's happening to the landscape. It was right after the recession when people were like, guess what? Wellness does not involve me going to Canyon Ranch or Bali or Thailand right now. I need something closer to home. And um, chronologically, like it kind of was this moment where things like Soul Cycle, like they had two studios, they were just starting to blossom and juice bars were just starting to pop up. So now I think, you know, we all know that wellness is not just driving, you know, several industries like fashion, athleisure is is certainly driving that um, clean beauty, driving the beauty industry, healthy food, driving food. It's also just a way people want to live and really need to live. Um, you think about the always on nature of our lives these days. So that's what I've been doing. And loving it and believing in it every morning and getting up so inspired to just, you know, democratize wellness and make it more accessible and continue to make it stylish and fun. My backstory is I'm kind of from all over. I had a Canadian mom and American dad. So I grew up in Canada near Toronto um, through high school and then have been Bopping around the states like a lot of people do, you know, for college. But most of my work life has been here in New York. I've been here for 20 years and it's like got a definite hold on me now. So, you know, how you just start to feel like a New Yorker and it's like, oh, I'm from Brooklyn. You know, I've been here in Brooklyn for 20 years. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, was the plan always to be a journalist? I don't think so. I think the plan was to see if I could make money like reading and writing. Like, those were things that I was pretty good at as a kid and I didn't think about the journalistic part until I realized that maybe um, literature and reading and writing about literature wasn't like this great opportunity, like it's just a smaller world. And so I thought, okay, like I'll explore journalism. I always had like a deeper interest in helping people too. So I have like some social work experience in my background. I studied psychoanalysis for seven years and had a practice seeing patients for three to four years. So like, you know I think well and good has really allowed me to mesh some of the things that inspire me and like things I want to do while I'm on this planet and in this life So then you
0: get into, so this is how I like to picture well and good getting started. I like to imagine that you and Alexia, your friend and colleague, I like to picture the two of you sitting at your desks at luxury spa, is it luxury spa finder? Mm -hmm. Yeah, luxury spa finder. And you guys are talking about like mud facials and you're like, there's got to be more to life than fancy facials. Let's start a business together and be very successful.
1: (laughs) Accurate, inaccurate, pretty close. We did meet at Luxury Spa Finder Magazine. It was definitely a magazine of the aughts. For those people who who remember it, they loved it. It was like a town and country of spa travel. So actually, Alexia and I got to travel around the world for that magazine. And it was through that travel that we learned so much about bathing cultures, self-care rituals, ayurveda traditional chinese medicine reiki in the places where they kind of birthed um so our wellness knowledge came really globally through a a high-end you know spa lens so when we decided to create well and good we were like we're the right ones to do this like there really aren't that many journalists who've gotten you know the opportunity to um learn what we've learned and you know meet the healers and the people behind all this great work um and you know the the magazine folded and it really is what i think inspired me to move into digital it was it was like the first wave of magazines consolidating um in 2009 Um, but you know i had worked on uh, a cheap and cheerful website for Spot finder at the time where we you know tried to move the magazine content to a digital platform so i'd learned a lot about how actually like pretty easy it was at the time to to create a media you know website and when we first started Alexi and I like she would report an article and I would edit her uh, we would publish you know one a day and then like we would switch then it was my turn to report and her turn to edit me and we did that for a long time <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah
0: <laughs> so tell me about actually deciding to create well and good did you sit down and say like was there a business plan from day one? Yeah, there was. There was. All right.
1: Yeah, because you know we didn't I, we didn't want this to just be a passion project, and I couldn't um, personally like afford for it to be. I needed to make a living, and um, I I I think you know we were really clear that when we launched, we would have advertisers, and our first advertisers were people we reached out to personally and knew from the magazine world. Great lovely, often women-founded businesses like Yael Akale at Red Flower and Barbara Close of Naturopathica. Um, gosh, Mike at Yoga Vida. There were like a lot of a lot of great people who probably like looking back paid us like $300 a month or something. i like, it. <laughs> I know, we'll take it. Um, it was anything. And that was just really important to us in setting it up as a website that had, um, yeah, the, like those two things going at the same time, the content and the business side. Um, but before we launched that website that was even ad supported, when we were just like, you know, blogging once a day and swapping, like that was on a free single column WordPress blog. And you know we we probably did that for about six months before we decided to put like $5,000 collectively into building the website that was like a OG version of what the site looks like now. So when you got
0: started, how'd you
1: get the word out? Were people reading it? People were reading it, but it was like people who kind of like knew us, went to yoga a lot, um, maybe knew our bylines from the magazine world. Yeah, I think it was like much more niche for sure at the beginning. And so we had this pact, like if anyone was reading it in six months, besides like, you know, some kindly PR people (laughs) and some yoga teachers that we loved, you know, we would build the website that I mentioned. And what happened was we reported a story that New York Magazine picked up and when they reshared it, we were like, that's our sign from the universe that more people care about w- what we're doing. And and I'm so glad. We just needed that one little sign to, to dive in.
0: What was the story?
1: It was about, it, it was like a little gawker like now that I think about it. Hmm. It was about these, you know, $75 brand new yoga mats. People were stealing that them. People were stealing from yes. Kula. Yeah. Which was like our yoga studio at the time too. So we got the newsletter that said like, please bring the new yoga mats back. And we were like, how do these like karma loving people walk out of the studio with the fancy new? Yeah. So that was the story. And of course, like, um, New York Magazine thought it was hilarious because that was how they covered wellness at the time, yeah. and in fact, a lot of outlets covered wellness with like, "Look at the silly things that yogis and wellness lovers are doing now," and you know that's where journalism really came in for us. That we felt like, look, if there could be a dining critic, a theater critic, these other lifestyle segments, why couldn't there be a wellness critic? In other words, a journalist trained with you know to evaluate: is this a good wellness experience? What's the context behind it? Are there studies, or is it five thousand years old and from India, but it doesn't have a lot of studies in the West? Like, really evaluate it and, and have some fun with it too, which I think we do. But that was a really important moment, I think, in journalism for us, and it wasn't just about mud facials um or you know yoga trends. It was it was much more deeper, and I think like ten years in now we can see. Um, how deep people really want it to be. They need it to help their insomnia and their gut health and their mental health. It's it's pervasive. Well, it's interesting to me that you use the word critic
0: because I mm-hmm. can't think of anything that Well and Good has like slammed. I mm-hmm. hate to use that word, but yeah. is that is that sort of part of your ethos? I I mean, not to say everything you write is cheerful and positive. You have a very a lot of journalistic integrity, which yeah. I think people obviously love and respect very much. If you go and you take a class and your whole staff is like, we hated that. Are you writing like, we hated that? Or are you, what, what do you do in that situation?
1: Yeah, we kind of, um, well, by critic, I think I just mean what you said, journalistic integrity, right? right? Like somebody who really knows, like, I think the restaurant world has done a great job of like a reviewer knows comparable you know, um, cuisines and restaurants, right. You never send someone without that context to be like, go review this, you know, four star restaurant, you know, (laughs) or, you know, and that's what was happening in wellness as a perk editorial assistants were like being sent out to review things. I'm like, that is just, that's bogus. So anyway, I, I, I don't necessarily mean critical. I mean, journalistic by, by critic, but I'm so glad you asked that. What happens when we don't like something is we tend to not cover it. Uh, We learned really early on that our readers don't want us to bash things. And it's not that we haven't heard of things if they're not on the site. It's just that we don't really have um, something nice to say right now. Mm. So and that changes, too. There have been places where like, you know, six months in we've covered them because, say, the fitness studios had six months of like transitional general managers and opening night jitters, so to speak. Like they just haven't gotten it right. And so it's not like a fair shake um, and then when they've got a fair shake, it's like, oh, let's let's have them on the site. And yeah. So when you were starting out, you made
0: that comment that the way that New York Magazine, for example, was covering wellness was kind of like cheeky, silly, haha. That's not at all what you were doing. You were saying this is serious. This yeah. does matter. How did you get people to take you seriously?
1: I think um, what started happening, and it wasn't just New York Magazine. It was kind of, I mean, there were two kinds of media at the time. There was like the skeptical media, and then there was everything in wellness will save your soul media. Hmm. Right. So like the enlighten me now magazines you would get at the health food store <laughs> were like everything works, whether it was emu oil to like, who knows what. And we it's were a thing.
0: Emu oil? Well, I just, kinda, real?
1: I think it actually exists, but I don't know why I just pulled that out of a hat, but <laughs> some, any kind of oil, snake oil. Right. Um, <laughs> And so we were like, okay, what's going to save us all from this is journalism in the middle. And things were kind of verticalized then too. So you had like your vegetarian times, you had your yoga times or your yoga journal. Like we wanted to create something for women who kind of cared about everything across the spectrum and not be so darn siloed. So we started covering, we had like these um, in our navigation bar, you know, we had these areas like good sweat for fitness and yoga and then we had good looks for beauty um and skincare and self-care um good food um where nutrition and, and healthy places to eat like we had all of these pillars and good advice really took off too because that was like all of those, like, does this work for me? Does that work for me? Explain what coconut oil does. Um, what's turmeric? How much should I take? Like, all of those categories are how we dove in. And then it's it's kind of funny when you just work with experts and you get them to weigh in on a trend, and they've written peer-reviewed studies or published books or are New York Times bestselling authors lends credibility to the article like it's not rocket scientists what journalism could have could offer wellness anyone could have sort of thought it up but they weren't doing it I think because it was sort of perceived as a bit fluffy Um, you know and on the other hand there were lots of women's magazines at the time that you know were fitness focused but for us, that didn't really resonate either. I mean, I think the intentions were great, but a six-pack and melting fat was not wellness for me. I felt always very alienated from the covers of those magazines as someone who never like matched that. um, wasn't very fitness focused in my life at all. I was more literary and in my head, I guess, even though I did take a lot of important dance classes. That was kind of my thing. Um, and I... I th- I think we were looking for a place that wasn't bikini body and that also wasn't like those silly yogis like we talked about.
0: So when you were starting out and sort of creating this vision, who were you seeing as the well and good reader, and who and who is she now? Mm. She or
1: he? Yeah, it's still mostly women. It's yeah. probably like eighty five percent women and fifteen percent I own a fitness studio guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and. At the time, it was really, I think, you know, like young women like you know myself and Alexia who were looking for ways to make wellness affordable closer to home and be a bigger part of our lives. Um, we knew from the magazine world, people would ask us all the time, like, what's your favorite healthy restaurant in New York? Or what do you mean when you say clean beauty? Like, what does that even mean? Um, and, you know, to sort of answer those questions for more people was really interesting for us. So at the time we were called Well and Good NYC. We were literally just focused here in, in New York City and we what was going on with in new businesses, and when we would cover these new businesses, we, they would, you know, write us and say, "Oh my God! Like I just got a thousand, you know, people signing up for our email today." And so we kind of we knew it was working. We knew we were hitting the people we wanted, and we started to notice this really interesting thing too that even though we were just writing for New Yorkers, 70% of our web traffic was coming from outside of New York.
0: 70%. Yeah.
1: So we were like, this is not just something New Yorkers want. This is something a lot more people want. And so thank goodness we looked at our data. Always look at your data (laughs) because it teaches you things. It was like, this needs to go national.
0: Now, of course, you have multiple newsletters. The site is huge.
1: Tell me about what year did you start? That the pretty version of the website launched <laughs> in 2010, but the yeah the single like WordPress blog version was 20 um 2009.
0: Okay, yeah. so this is your ten, 10 year anniversary. Yeah, it is.
1: Are you celebrating? Well, we're celebrating with the launch of the Well and Good Cookbook. Like yes! that is our like capstone on ten years. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, later, yeah, though, we're gonna yeah, get to yeah, the we cookbook. Got to. Yeah. All right, <laughs> tell me where the site's at
0: now. Tell okay. me what you're doing. How has it changed? And how have how has Well and Good changed as the industry has changed. Oh my
1: gosh, I should make a timeline. Casually loaded question, I know. Well, I think, you know, wellness was kind of fringy at the beginning, and we had to do a lot of education, demystifying, you know, around why it was actually important, not just luxury, um, as it was being sold to people as, um, you know, I I think I think at the beginning it was really just important to say, look at all of these things we can avail ourselves of what. in you know when i was in my 20s we would go hang out for drinks after work and like now when people are in their 20s they go to spin class together you know or they go to sweet green for dinner or they make something healthy that they're really excited to make cuz they saw it on you know their favorite nutritionist feed on instagram like it's it's a very different moment now and i like to think that we have helped foster this moment by again like not creating eye-rolling content around this at all but like saying like not only is this aspirational it's like helpful and like I haven't met a person who doesn't want to iron out something in their life to feel better right whether it's inbox overwhelm or (laughs) it's like I can't digest anything I can't sleep at night like so many people, um, you know, have issues now. And so it used to be, I think, that people had like a wellness wake up call because like of a health crisis or um, women got pregnant and they were like, suddenly my doctor saying not to use my favorite moisturizer. Um, hello. Why did nobody? Yeah. yeah like, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And like why that's kept from people is like, totally bizarre. Um, so, and now more people don't necessarily need a wellness wake up call. They're sort of more like led into wellness because like, the way we live such digital lives. Um, and, you know, I think it's a stressful climate right now in America. There are lots of reasons why people need more wellness. And, like, everybody deserves access to it. So, we're really conscious of making. of like what you read on Well and Good is something that you can do at home with like, well, what's in your pantry? Or, you know, it's called meditation. Doesn't cost anything. You close your eyes. You know, there's actionable things all over the site. We're really deliberate about it. That's, you know, you don't need to go out and buy something. What's the other 20%? The other 20% might be like news stuff. Like there's no action. It's just like, you know, cool stuff you want to talk to your friends about at dinner, like there are sound baths all over New York now, or, um, I mean, that was a phenomenon of a couple of years ago, but it's more like, you know, stuff to kind of talk about or, or go do. Yeah.
0: All right. So when well and good started, I feel like the two big buzzy things were soul cycle and green juice. That was like two of the biggest things people were talking about getting into getting really popular right now in 2019. What are like the big, buzzy things what's everyone obsessed with right now
1: um a cauliflower yeah like call oh, i mean it's been happening and peaking and peaking cauliflower anything made out of cauliflower like rice pizza crust
0: yeah the my mm-hmm. my trader joe's cauliflower gnocchi made it three times. I suck at it.
1: Oh my gosh. You cannot follow the ingredients on the bag. You can't, you you have to so do it machine. in a pan. Yeah. You got to put it in a pan. Did you see our hack? I did. Okay. I did. did. it work? That's why I brought it up is I'm like, Oh, I haven't done it yet. I, uh, I like scarred myself.
0: I have to, you know, work up the courage to try again. You
1: are so ready. I believe in you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we can cook it together even. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Keto. Yeah. People
0: okay. So fascinated. tell me about keto. Why is that like, We've talked about it a little bit on the show. I had a registered dietitian on recently. Mm -hmm. Her take was, it's quick weight loss. Um, Tell me, you come at it from more of a a wellness-y perspective. Is it, honestly, is the draw for a lot of 20 and 30-something women, is it like, I can lose weight real quick? Is
1: it, I want to change my life?
0: Is it gut-related? What are you seeing from your readers?
1: I'm seeing all of those things. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people... um, using keto um, might be using it for weight loss, um, but maybe they don't want to use those words. You know, maybe there's like, I'm not the kind of woman who wants to talk about my weight loss. You know, it's sort of like, not the most wellnessy thing to do in some ways for people still. So like, I do think that keto is a nice euphemism for a lot of people. All right. Well, can we
0: expand on that then? Because I agree. (laughs) I agree. I think so. I, as someone who did it for a little while, um, my husband and I, I forget if it was right before or after our wedding, we were like, let's do this, whatever. Let's like pee on the strips and see what happens. Right. And I, I remember a, I did, I lost a ton of weight really fast. Um, so of course I was like, I felt good about myself. I liked how I looked. I didn't want to say that. Like you just said, I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm doing this to lose weight. I did also, I felt better. You know, I have my like weird, weird belly issues. So cutting out certain foods for me, it did work out. It didn't last. I don't do that anymore. Um, but we equate weight loss as kind of like a negative thing,
1: right? Yeah, I think, well, some people do and some people don't. You know, I think like some of the circles that I run in, people are like not open to talking about that as much as like accepting our bodies, accepting our size. Mm -hmm. And body positivity is a really incredibly, you know, important movement. Um, It goes by a lot of names now too, but I feel like sometimes um, these things that are meant to be used for either like performance or for detoxing or to get people off packaged foods or whatever, like they're, you know, they're, they're interesting. I don't know that they're like a lot of experts will say, you know, don't stay on keto forever. I just, I, I, I think there is sometimes a veil over, you know, the language we use yeah, and, I um, agree. yeah, yeah. And they're like, look, there's like lots of, lots of great foods that you can eat on keto. And I think like that's an incredible And that's an incredible thing for people to know too.
0: Yeah. I think the weight loss conversation is an interesting one that it was for so long, it was promoted. It was on the cover of every magazine. Then it was, no, this is a dirty word. Now it's kind of like, Hey, if you maybe want to lose some weight, great. If you don't, great. I don't know. I have no, um, I have no thesis on this, but, um, I think it's an interesting conversation that, like you said, it's a lot of people don't want to talk about and don't want to say like, yeah, I'm doing this to lose weight. Yeah. That might be okay. That's not necessarily a bad thing if, Depending on what your body needs.
1: Right. Well, I think like there's, you know, women's magazines have sold a lot of copies by implicitly covering weight loss. And I feel like we've never been interested in doing that at Well and Good. We've never made weight loss be a goal for any article. It's just not been how we think of wellness. Like we think of wellness as something you add to your life, um, whether it's that, you know, a meditation practice or that healthy recipe or... Or, you know, a skincare product that doesn't have parabens in it. You know, it's these, it's those wonderful parts of your day. A workout. Oh my God, do I get my workout in? Like those amazing things that you add to your life. It's not about privation. And do you? (laughs) And like, we've just never really gone down that road. Well,
0: I'll never forget my first, um, my first in-person meeting with one of my first editors at Well and Good, um, other than you, is we sat down and she was like, listen, we are not telling people there's anything wrong with them. We're not telling them they have to lose weight. We're not telling them that they need to do a certain thing. And I, that to me was like groundbreaking Yeah. as someone who has loved. And don't get me wrong, like I grew up reading magazines. But to hear that explicitly said of we are a publication, we are journalists, we are serious, we think you're OK. I was like, oh, damn, that's super smart. So tell me about now. How do you talk to your readers? What do you what kind of women are they and how do you see them?
1: I love that question. I think like there's so many voices on well and good now. And as you like, you know, get like lost in following someone's byline through the site, you get to know so much about that person and what their journey is and like how funny some of our writers are and our editors. I mean, oh my gosh. Sometimes I will, um, we have a Slack channel where, um, it's like an RSS feed where everything that's published is like immediately there in a Slack channel. I'll be sitting in my office, having gotten a prompt, and just like laugh out loud, and like I have to like stand up and look over at her desk, like <laughs> and like you know give her a thumbs up. Like that was hilarious and awesome. Um, I think that like in other words, a little bit of personal experience through some of the topics is some is something we like to explore, and I think people want that relatability. The way we talk about things is both like journalistically rigorous and like we cite experts and quote them, but it's also married with the turns of phrase that people just use like you know if you and I were going to hang out we wouldn't be super formal in using you know certain writerly language to talk about stuff yeah
0: yeah let me go get my thesaurus for the rest of our
1: conversation Um, all
0: right tell me about I'm picturing you like standing up giving someone a thumbs up they feel all excited and then everyone's like drinking their smoothies and taking workout classes and everyone is sitting at their desk with Sheet masks, obviously. Obviously. Um, what is it like to work at well and good? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not as many sheet masks. However, sometimes the beauty team does have something going on that's like amazing. Um, one day, our beauty director, um, Allie Finney, had this Dr. Dennis Gross um, face mask on. And it, it's like one of those blinking LED light things. Um, and she was like testing it and writing about it. Um, and that was just that was a fun moment. But no, I mean. The internet never shuts off, and digital journalists are like definitely the hardest working. Um, they're online so early. If they have a deadline, they'll be online really late, too. If they're a breaking story, do they need to go to an event before work? Oh, and after work, like there are so many demands on journalists and the rest of the team who like might handle our business campaigns, and things come in very last minute, and there's like a lot to do. And they're like, guess what? A, a weekend got absorbed by making sure everything is just perfect for an advertising um, campaign and you know I think I wish we were in yoga classes all day long, or even <laughs> once a day. And sometimes, just like for every reader out there, it's hard for for me and hard for our team. Even though I think we all show up to work every day because we want that for ourselves. Like we want a climate and a culture that at least recognizes that it's important we go to yoga every day, and um, or whatever your fitness bliss is, right? your walk every day, your Orange Theory class or whatever, whatever it is.
0: When you were starting out, when you and Alexia were getting started, what came naturally to you and what did you find was a little more challenging or out of your comfort zone?
1: Both of us had a journalistic background. And while Alexia is incredibly brilliant and runs the business side, it's not like she went, you know, to Stanford, um, you know, and ha- she figured it out on the ground and like, I think that's a testament to actually what journalism does prepare you for um, a mind of like, you know, intelligence and asking questions to getting answers from people who can help you. She's like really entrepreneurial, um, comes from a family of entrepreneurs, so was able to figure out a lot of pathways for us. Um, That wasn't my case. I think I have a much more like creative mindset that helped with like the visuals, Um, certainly the mission of Well and Good, too, um, as we've been talking about throughout the the this episode you know how we you know there's nothing wrong with you we use journalism Um, those elements and how important it was for wellness and the wellness industry Um, not just for readers but for the businesses and how they talk to you know people visiting them in other words like 10 years ago there were businesses who would talk about like the goal for the workout being you know a bikini body and like we just don't do that anymore and I think like well and good's mission of like you're okay as you are really helped with that.
0: Who do you consider to be your main competitors now?
1: You know, it's people who do cover wellness, but it's also people who don't, you know? I mean, we have an audience of 12 million monthly now, and that is like comparable to a lot of sites that are like more lifestyle sites that are outside of wellness. So 12 million. Can
0: we pause and just like... (laughs) put up the emoji hands right now that's amazing
1: thanks I know I know it's incredible and that's like you know includes our social handles and um in our website and the newsletter yeah it's it's big it's like you know wellness is a phenomenon um and it is taking over this country thank goodness because we need something good (laughs)
0: Yeah, it was funny. Earlier, you said something about how like with the world the way it is now, we need, you know, these wellness outlets more than ever. (laughs) Two nights ago, I was it was like 830. Baby's finally in bed. Husband's finally home. I was like, I got to go to the gym. Like I've been in this house all day. I'm just going to go downstairs and run for 30 minutes. And like. The TVs down there gets like two channels. So I had on CNN and I'm like, oh, perfect news. And I sat there and the news was so horrible that day that I'm running, getting, yay, my wellness sobbing. Oh. I was like, I don't really know if this is productive, <laughs> like too many emotions. <laughs> I don't and I don't know how to turn the TVs off at the gym. So, um yeah, I just I just rolled with it. But I agree that um, now more than ever, we need that. um positive outlet
1: yeah it's like we're all knitting a sweater that's unraveling at the same time (laughs) like that is our state right now of mental wellness and um, nobody (laughs) deserves that so a little levity a little cultural you know coverage of wellness um you know (laughs) a little aromatherapy goes a long way these days
0: how about a quick time out to talk about our sponsor aftershocks I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a sucker for a good wireless headphone on the run. And that's why every week on this show, I talk about Aftershocks. Aftershocks makes the best headphones I have ever worn. And I'm pretty picky. I'm what you would call it earbud-averse. Nothing, absolutely nothing stays put in these little ears. And it's been a lifelong struggle for me. But when I discovered Aftershocks two years ago, I was immediately hooked. After so many headphone fails, after so many pairs of headphones that died because I sweat just a teeny tiny bit, I was thrilled to find a pair that were lightweight, that didn't budge when I put them on, that were super comfortable, and that could stand up to all of my gnarly summertime running sweat. The wrap around the ear design of Aftershocks is built so the headphones rest lightly on top of your ears instead of inside them. It's brilliant and you need to try them for yourself. So let me help you out. I've got a discount code for you. Head to ontherun.aftershocks.com for $50 off Aftershocks wireless headphone bundles, which includes the headphones and all kinds of other goodies. That's ontherun.aftershocks.com. Now let's get back to Melise Galula. Um, All right. Looking at, you know, the past 10 years is obviously a big spectrum to look at. What have been some of your greatest hits most popular stories, most popular columns. Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier the piece that had gotten picked up by New York Magazine that really put you on the map. What else stands out?
1: OK, there were so many of them. I And they and they changed, too, right? So for a long time, it was a story on the best and worst nutrition bars. And I think that was really great because it's sort of like we revealed that so many of them had such bogus ingredients or a ton of sugar in them or like more sodium than you should eat in three days, you know, that nutrition bars don't equal healthy food. Um, in every case is still a newsflash for a lot of people, right? Like there are a lot of, I'm using like air quotes so like people can see me, <laughs> but there are a lot of like healthy foods um, that are, you know, billing themselves as such that are not. And, you know, nutrition bars can fall into that category. It's best to just like flip over that, you know, and look at the label and see if there are whole ingredients in there. So that was a that was a really big one for sure. Um I think when we cover turmeric, that and um, yeah, that can that can break the site. I think really, yeah. It's so it's kind of like taken off as the darling of the anti-inflammatory world, and everybody wants it. From like cool chicks, you know, doing a a turmeric booster shot in the morning from their juice bar, or making their own little tincture at home, to um, people suffering with arthritis. Or joint pain, or you know, are on an anti-inflammatory diet. It's just, it's, it's huge. All right, we've got turmeric. We've got nutrition bars. Yeah, Um, CBD is another one too. Right now, very buzzy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That
0: was a good pun. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't even intentional.
0: I'm so proud.
1: (laughs) Um, Because it's one of, like I've never seen a wellness ingredient that has captured so much attention, not just from our readers, but from like the financial world as well. And I'm just so interested in, Um, Americans fascination with CBD. I think it's just going to continue to be huge. And I think a lot of people are hearing about it anecdotally and want some like real facts about like, okay, tell me what's safe. They they don't care if it's legal. They just want (laughs) to know if it's safe. So hopefully the FDA will catch up soon with that. Interesting.
0: Have there been any misses along the way? Anything you thought was going to be like an awesome story that either didn't perform well? Anything that you look back and you're like, oh, maybe we should have reported that differently? Any Mm. Misses, missteps, regrets, stories you stories someone else beat you to. I feel like you guys are the first to everything.
1: Oh my gosh. Are you ever not? Yeah, sometimes people like want to give a story to Fast Company and I love Fast Company so I can't be so mad at them for it. But like we were the first outlet to ever write about Peloton and I remember when it was in Super Beta and John Foley and a team of like, n- you know, nine engineers were in this rental space in Chelsea and he like had me ride this bike and watch this and I couldn't believe all the stuff he was building. And now like sometimes Peloton, which is, you know, the unicorn billion dollar value um, will be you know, be covered by a business paper.
0: How rude.
1: Isn't it? So yeah, I wouldn't say we miss things. John Foley, give me your next piece. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Give
0: us the exclusive. Yes, please. (laughs)
1: Um, And there's sometimes like the way you cover something maybe won't hit, but it's not. Like travel was like that for a while. Like we came from the luxury spa travel world, and we thought everyone's going to want to read about travel in this way of like, here's what you need to know about this property. It kind of didn't work at all for us. But then when we did pieces on the experience, like, The, you know, um, best hiking spas, um, or like the best hiking spas that you can afford and you can do on your five precious PTO days, you know, it's sort of like how you cover things that sometimes helps you hit the nail on the head.
0: Do you ever get negative feedback? I mean, it's the internet, so I have to imagine at some point, but talk to me about comments either on social, on the site,
1: anything negative um, I think when we cover something just divisive, yeah. you know, one side will write in and say, like, I don't agree. How dare you? You shouldn't. You know, um, that's natural. It's it's digital media, yeah. you know, all kinds of things of like unabashed <laughs> feedback. <laughs> you do know? you take it personal? Because this is your baby. Um, you know, sometimes I do if, if people personalize it. Ah. If they're just, you know, passionate about not vaccinating their kid, Ugh. you know, that's a different, a whole other thing. I don't take that personally. Um, or we wrote about um, dry needling, which is, um, it kind of looks like acupuncture, but it's it's not it's a separate kind of training. And if you're like an osteopath or a, uh, a, a PT, you know, um, physical therapist, you can get a, a training to do it versus like an acupuncture um Accreditation, which is a four-year program with, like, you know, a supervisor, and you have to practice on clients, all of that. Um, when we covered, you know, uh, uh, what was going on there and was dry needling safe, we we got a lot of blowback. So it was sort of like sometimes it's from the industries we report, yep. sometimes it's from consumers and where they stand. And I try really hard not to take it personally. Yeah, yeah.
0: I want to talk about the wellness industry, health, fitness, all of it that goes into it, as an inclusive place. We talked about this a little bit early on, but you know, when when you guys were starting out, we talk about the soul cycles and the green juices. Here in New York, a soul cycle class now is $36. A green juice, depending on where you get it, a green juice can be like $14. Where are you seeing wellness be now as more accessible and inclusive so that it's not just the soul cycles, the green juices because a lot of people want to be healthy, they can't afford that. What are their options that you're seeing now?
1: I think creating options for people with the platform we have is something we're really conscious of. So whether it's like, here's how to make, um, you know, a really healthy, like lunch for the week, you know, with these six ingredients and, you know, under 30 bucks, like we'll like, we'll challenge ourselves to do the things that we hear there needs to be more of from our readers as well as like just setting the bar for ourselves. So affordable like recipe content, um, so much DIY too. Like there's so much you can do in beauty and people love that as well. I think that's really important. So balancing, you know, coverage of beauty products and things that people can do for themselves is incredibly relevant for all of us, I think. You know, I think that like the, there are lots of conversations about wellness that happen right now. And I, I don't think, I mean, for a website that's like incredibly like beautiful like ours it can be somehow like misleading to people like therefore it is luxury but it's Mm. just I think like the photography can be aspirational but the advice can be like tangible there's so much advice about like here's some turmeric like take it when you you want to you know (laughs) or it's not like go and buy you know the $200 yoga pants it's not there's like such a range in there and you know we're not selling anything um, other than like maybe the quiet notion that um, having wellness things in your life might help you with whatever it is you're struggling with.
0: What is your favorite like super simple
1: way to take care of yourself? I mean I struggle with meditating um, but I know that that's you know, something that's life-changing for people that literally changes your gray matter, (laughs) literally makes you less tyrannical in whatever way you are, whether you're, you know, an obsessive thinker like I can be or like a knee-jerk kind of person. Like, it just like It it shaves off the edges Um, and so many people benefit from it like, you know, children benefit from it in schools. And I really sympathize with that because, you know, so many kids are like just prescribed drugs as are women for whatever, you know, mental wellness stuff that, you know, they're challenged with. And I'm I I love meditation as a tool for that. Um, I also love that it's like incredibly like a global practice. And there's something about that that's um, really special for me.
0: All right. One of my favorite things that Well and Good does is your annual wellness predictions. Mm. I love those every year. I look forward to them coming out. Uh, Tell me about that process. How are you coming up with these? Is it, you know, you're gathering your staff of 80 and you're like, all right, what's cool? And you knock it out in an hour because I'm
1: guessing that's not it. I'm so glad you mentioned that the wellness trends are probably like our most viral piece of content. Um, But I think there's something about like how we declare them. Some people are like, you missed them this year. And I'm like, nope, they were on last year. You know, so always (laughs) even stuff that I think of. I'm like, oh, I'm surprised they didn't do that.
0: Oh, because they called it last year because like they already (laughs) knew. Yeah. You guys are amazing at this.
1: Well, you know, there's certain things when you're interviewing founders of companies throughout the year which our team of journalists does that they get hints on what they're working on um and when you go to trade shows like expo west the largest healthy food show in the country you get a sense of what people um are sourcing or like some buzzy ingredients from you know um south america that are now going to be like what's the next matcha you know what i mean um and we can kind of see those things coming by the virtue of the work that we're doing Um, Journalists are also just great at identifying patterns, you know, and we can start to see, oh, wow, this is like, you know, hitting the beauty industry right now or um, is about to. And so we really try to balance it with some of the like niche things and with some of the like everyone's going to see this in their grocery store this year kind of thing. Well, you're very
0: good at it and we won't get into all of the 2019 trends, but I don't know. I'll just pick one at random and let's talk about it. Okay. Big bush energy.
1: (laughs) I knew you were going to pick that one.
0: (laughs) We need to talk about this. (laughs) What is it? Why is it a
1: prediction? What does it mean? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So we... We start looking at, like, what might make this trends list that we release at the end of the year. We start looking at everything as a group in July and then refine it and add to it. Um, and the Big Bush Energy was um, a spin off of um, a Pete Davidson remark, um, which I'm not going to say for your you list. Say. Okay, um Okay, BDE or Big Dick Energy, knowing it's certain kind of confidence that men have, um, that's a quiet confidence due to um, packing heat. And so... <laughs> <laughs> and so you know it was something that um we coined big bush energy as the female equivalent of this um and it was definitely like an energetic thing a confidence but it was also tied to what was happening in like a kind of feminist awakening um that so many women are like to hell with shaving you know i'm just gonna like let this bikini wax go forever and ever and ever now. And like, I'm never going to see my waxer again. Or so it was kind of this like body positivity thing and and self acceptance thing that was happening at the same time as this like energetic um, thing was happening. And like all of these beauty products for the nether regions were starting to launch as well as all these direct to consumer brands for like birth control and like, um, like cool vaginal health and 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 women like low bosworth who like created love wellness around this like neglected part of the body and um look it's like an area of concern for a lot of women how there's this feeling and like we would all talk to each other like about ours but like from a product point of view there really wasn't anything and so all of this was kind of exploding under the big bush energy I love it right
0: so if Pete Davidson (laughs) is the equivalent on the male side who are some of the women that exude this
1: energy oh my gosh I think like I think it can be like okay whether she shaves or not you know it's it's sort of like like who has that like like Rihanna like a a hundred percent and I feel like there are probably a million more like the women who founded the women's march you know the like oh my god i'm forgetting the name of the chorus that my friend nitika chopra is in um oh, it's a women's revolutionary chorus oh my god i'm gonna get you the name sorry nit um <laughs> we'll it in the show notes yeah um so it's kind of like co- it's like it might be feminist it might be loudly feminist might not call it self-feminist but it's like a great a great um like tagline for a a lot of women who are feeling themselves these days amazing yeah you mentioned very early on when well and good
0: started you eventually got to the point where you and alexia were like all right we'll pool a total of five thousand dollars to get this started you now have 80 employees i have to imagine that at some point in the last 10 years you became profitable yeah so you were able to do that
1: what's next Mm. what's the future of well and good I love this question. I feel like in some ways, we're just getting started on a few things that we're really excited to expand on. So like last year, we really put into place like Well and Good Talks, which is an opportunity for our readers to like come IRL, like off our laptops and sit in a room together. And we go deep on a really cool wellness topic like female biohacking or using CBD for beauty and wellness, like topics that we know people really love on the site, but bringing them to life in a room together with experts is amazing. So continuing to do those and maybe on a grander scale, I think would be, um, yeah, something that we might do. Oh, Um, you have that glean in your eye right now of like, we are working on this. I'm giving you a twinkle of the eye. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and well and good retreats. We're doing four of those retreats this year. We did three last year. We tested some different locations around the country. We learned a lot, um, people coming away from their desks <laughs> and their busy lives to do something for themselves and meet other like-minded women has been an amazing experience. I love attending Well and Good Retreats. And in fact, I'm leaving tomorrow morning for Miraval in Austin, where the first one of this year um, is taking place. And we bring with us a couple wellness experts, people we've had on the site and no trust and love to host with us. So, Um, Tomorrow, we have Dr. Drew Ramsey, who is a psychiatrist and also wrote um, 50 Shades of Kale. He's really into the, the, he's a farmer also. He's really into the relationship of food and brain health and mood. And that is going to be amazing. And on the fitness side, we have Heather Lilston of Yoga for Bad People um, teaching yoga. And we're going to be doing a sound bath. And we're going to be cooking some recipes for the brand new Well and Good Cookbook, which launches April (laughs) 16.
0: I have to mention that. You started as a digital site. There yeah. was never a question of, "Hey, we're going to have a print edition." Ten years in, we've got a book. A book. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about that decision. What, you know, people can go to your website. They can search and get a zillion recipes, whether they're
1: keto or not. Uh, why? Why a cookbook? It's so funny. I mean, it's 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 time to put some of it on paper. And I think for a long time we we're like, "Hey, let's do a book." Because when you have a digital website and it's about wellness there's something a little weird about that like I've always felt like you know wellness is something you got to do in real life and you got to get off your devices to do curl up with my iPad exactly (laughs) and feel the wellness yeah let (laughs) me. yeah and so we've always wanted to do one in fact our editor has been reading well and good since the very beginning and approached us in um, gosh 2012 about doing a book and She was like, do a book, do a cookbook, do a book, do a cookbook. And we just didn't know what it would be. And a very good friend of ours, genius, C-level, um badass woman recommended that we like leverage the well and good council to do something from them and the well and good council is kind of like our advisory board as like wellness experts in a broad like uh, like across the wellness um continuum so like joey gonzalez of barry's boot camp is on there along with robin Burson of parsley health and um a whole bunch of really rad people and she was like like leverage them in some way and gave us this idea to really just pull the go-to recipes of our community of wellness experts. What do they really make and eat at home? Like on a busy weeknight also, like anyone can be Ina Garten, like bless her and make a beautiful feast on a weekend. But like we need to eat during the week and we need it to be like, affordable, fast, and like healthy and also not taste like the forest floor. Like we're still we're still working against a lot of people who think that, you know, healthy food has to taste like crap. And it's so not true. Like actually, like real food tastes really good. So I think with this book, like it makes it easier just to make that true. To make like Dr. Mark Hyman has a recipe for breakfast cookies, which I'm really obsessed with. I've modified them a little bit since I've started making them. Like I just throw in a few extra ingredients here and there. Chocolate or,
0: chips. Yeah,
1: maybe. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Is that the extra? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, or, you know, like maybe I'll put a little maple syrup or something. But like I'm yeah, I'm really into the idea of a breakfast cookie. And Elle McPherson has a recipe for an avocado breakfast mousse. Like there's some disruptive ideas in here that you can have like mousse and cookies for breakfast. Um, I love it. Yeah, and it, it's really cl- like clean stuff, too. I have a recipe in here of a salad that, you know, we make at home a lot in summer with watermelon and avocado. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, Misty Copeland's in there. Misty Copeland's in here. Venus Williams. um, Leah Michelle. We have, like, you know, lots of wonderful people who, um, yeah, gave us their favorite. Like, this is the recipe, like, that they've made a trillion times and will make a trillion more. So, like, if you happen to show up to their house on a Wednesday, like, you know, 90% chance they'd be making this.
0: What's your favorite recipe in the cookbook? Other than your own?
1: Um, I think it's the egg bake with white beans in it. It's kind of a like a one pot thing. Um, oh, you're speaking my language now. Yeah. If you have like a skillet that goes, you know, from oven to stovetop type of thing, you just it's some cherry tomatoes that get nice and roasted, and then you add a can of like white beans and some greens into it and then crack some eggs into it so it kind of bakes. It's a little like shakshuka, but um. Super easy because you're just adding things to a saute pan or like a, a skillet.
0: Yum. Well, yeah. I can't wait to get my hands on it and start cooking. I'm like a bit of a novice in the kitchen, so it's going to help me. It's definitely
1: going to help you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love it. Well, congratulations. That is huge. Thank you. All right. Before we sprint to the finish, I want to ask a couple big picture questions that okay. I always think are fun. How do you, as a human and as the fo- the co-founder of Well and Good, how do you measure success? Am I helping people?
1: Am I making a difference? Have you ever failed at anything? Lots of things. 10th grade science. Really? I had to repeat it. You did? Uh-huh. What was 10th grade science for you? For me, it was chemistry. I don't think it was even that specific. I do remember some chemistry being involved in some mortification to this day. I don't think I've actually told anyone this. Like, my mother and father are the only people who know. Actually, and maybe some people who, him from my high school. <laughs> I know. And there have been lots of other things along the way, too, that I felt like. I felt, I think it's like that for all of us. And then sometimes those failures just are, like, actually, like, either get you to dig in or go through another door like I thought when I didn't go on like I have a master's in English and I and I thought for a while when I didn't go on for the PhD that that was a failure but actually that's when I found journalism so like how can I say that that was a failure when it was like a great big door that opened so much for me first in book publishing then magazines then digital and meeting great editors along the way who Pointed me slash pushed me onto beats that I never would have chosen for myself.
0: What has been the most rewarding part of your career so far?
1: I think when I see people like on the subway with a well and good tote bag or I meet total strangers, I give them you know um, my email address because they're like ringing me up at a store and it's the well and good email address and like she looks up from the cash register and says, oh my God, I get that email. I love that email. Like that is just like, okay, I can die now. That's amazing to me.
0: I love it. All right. For people listening who think, ooh, I have a really good story idea for Well and
1: Good." what would get you to say yes to a pitch? Hmm. That's so interesting. I didn't know you were going to go there. I think um, like be familiar with the kinds of ways we cover something because an idea of like... I like this it's good isn't necessarily a story but like is there a really interesting angle about why you like it is it because um, you know it's a new way of like meditating in a group with like a fitness layer built onto it like it's how you how yeah the why care is already explained.
0: Alright, since I've known you, you've been this like amazing beacon of knowledge and kindness and warmth and like everything I want in being a human and as a boss. Any insecurities? anything that rattles you how
1: long do we have this <laughs> podcast not a single one said the well, wellness I've maven. never seen no. one for never you? you're no. seeing them as I'm sitting here no they're just flashing through like you know my brain just like they are like for everyone for sure like did I say that well was I articulate did I make the point that I thought might be most helpful now for sure I think um You know, I think I try not to be so damn perfectionistic. And I think because it drives people crazy and it doesn't (laughs) necessarily help deadlines. Um, And I think like for me, like that the insecurity around like giving my best to like it not being enough is something I think about a lot. And I think it drives a lot. Like I know it's driven me as an entrepreneur. And I think that kind of like. Insecurity is a bit of um, a muse for entrepreneurs because it can be like I'm going to fix this feeling by surmounting the next freaking challenge. I'm going to get rid of this feeling by being successful, and it actually doesn't. It's not healed that way. Um, that's called therapy, and I've spent a lot of money on that too. <laughs> um, I think I think it's I think it's really. Uh, really, a great moment for all of us, especially like people with a microphone, to talk about the the reality of it. Um, I'm not interested in like the glossy side of wellness. I think that beautiful photography is one thing, but being real is something I've always wanted to, you know, be about.
0: Cheers to that! Cheers with Thank turmeric you. in it, probably. <laughs> all right. On that note, are you ready to sprint to the finish? I've got. Or like, is that wellnessy? Should we like take a walk through the forest, a forest bathe together? All right, let's sprint or walk through the forest barefoot, whatever, whatever feels good to you. Okay. What would your last meal on earth be? Cheese. Any particular kind, or just
1: big platter? Like an aged cheddar, an aged gouda, some like really yummy, like spreadable herbal like goat cheese. Yeah, and some like salty ass crackers more salt the better amazing (laughs) with an avocado (laughs) perfect (laughs) what is your favorite movie 16 candles might be one of them um and then there was like this jane Eyre adaptation that was like more recent and like avant-garde yeah i got the whole range for you there nice yeah yeah. favorite tv show um schitt's creek favorite new york city workout right now it's forward space it's kind of dance cardio kind of hip hop all like soul work like what what calls you to dance why do you need to dance why does it feel so good to have like a beat in your body and like for 55 sweaty freaking minutes I'm the happiest I am in the week where was your first kiss on my cheek You mean (laughs)
0: like where like under the bleachers
1: or like
0: oh by near your school on move up day in the woods that's mine
1: Oh, my God. I don't remember. I am much older than you, though. So That's, <laughs> but it's your first kiss. It's like. I seriously can't remember. Wow. It wasn't that impactful, apparently. Clearly.
0: Where was your most recent kiss?
1: I mean, this morning when I left for work with my partner, Tiff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. More impactful than the first one. Yeah. OK. Uh, what is something you think everyone should do at least
1: once in their lives? Take a friend to a workout
0: love that who was your childhood celebrity crush
1: Christy McNichol no one will remember her except the three other Christy (laughs) McNichol fans (laughs) or Matt Dillon who was like her star or co-star in a movie called Little Darlings which don't let your children watch
0: (laughs) what is the best thing about getting older
1: oh wow um I think the best thing about getting older is like the way that you know yourself versus are like besieged by yourself. Um, you know, like when you're younger, like I don't know, I just had very strong, big emotions and was like always on a quest to figure them out. Um, it's it starts to settle a little bit, or some of the noise just turns down a bit, and um, or you can just be like, I'm not dealing with all that other stuff. Here's what I'm putting my energy and focus toward. I don't know. It just it feels different a little more internally calm yeah yeah Yeah. down
0: with anti-aging aging Aging is the best (laughs) I love it uh what celebrity would you love to be stuck in an elevator with
1: Oprah I would love to be stuck in an elevator with Oprah yeah yeah I think like she did a lot for popularizing wellness and um she's done a lot for women and our consciousness yeah Super into Oprah. All things Oprah. Oprah for president.
0: (laughs) Yes. What has been the best day of your life so far? Wow. I know. the, The casually loaded questions masked as a sprint to the finish.
1: I mean, I hope, like... Tiff won't be totally offended if I don't say like our wedding day, which was freaking amazing because like we got married before it was even legal to be gay married in New York. And so like we had to get married twice and that was amazing um, because we got to do it twice. Like once at city hall in Darien, Connecticut where you could get legally married at the time. And then we had a, uh, yeah, a wedding ceremony here that our friend who's a romantic comedy um, director and screenwriter, she was our, yeah, it was amazing. She was amazing. Um, So that was, one of the best days of my life. And the other one is when the New York Times wrote about well and good. I was like, we've made it. Like yeah. this, this baby that we grew on our backs with never having any investment whatsoever is in the New York Times. Like, that's great.
0: That's pretty cool. Do you have it framed at home?
1: We have it framed at the well and good office. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. I have like a nice like yellowed copy of it <laughs> in a scrapbook as well.
0: That's cool. I <laughs> yeah. love that. What one word do you want to be remembered by? Passionate. Tell me three things you love about yourself.
1: I'm incredibly loyal, hardworking, and I love to have deep, real conversations with people.
0: Last thing I need from you, give everyone listening a reason to go work out today.
1: Because we all need endorphins and that's like the fastest way to get them. I
0: love it. I love what you're doing. I have loved knowing you and getting to work with you it's an honor and a pleasure and i just think that uh well and good is the best and keep it up you are amazing
1: thanks ali i've loved doing this podcast with you and knowing you for as long as we have and this i was like listening to a bunch of the episodes that i had missed and i'm just like so impressed by your like journalism and how you pull these beautiful questions out of people and get us to tell our stories congrats to you
0: That's very kind. See, all I needed to do, I used to go to the Soul Cycle in Tribeca because Alexia went there. I lived on the Upper East Side. I would go in the morning to the 8.30 class because I knew she went there and I so badly wanted to work at Well and Good that I was like, well, I know that the editor goes and takes Bethany Lyons' class. She goes with Liana and I'll just go and I'll try to be near them and maybe one day I'll say hi. That was like, I was like, that's going to be my in. And now here we are today. Here we are. Um, and I'm, and I'm no longer stalking your business partner. So we're good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let her know. To- Glad I put that to on hear the that. Internet. <laughs> Hey, it was called sweat working. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your show.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Alley on the Run show. If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a rating and review for it on iTunes or the podcast listening app of your choice. And remember, we're giving away copies of the Well and Good cookbook. So go follow me on Instagram at Ally on the Run 1 for your chance to win. You can also find me on Twitter at Ally on the Run 1 and on the alleyontherun on the Run Facebook page. I'm apparently like unavoidable on the internet here. Uh, finally, let's give it up for Aftershocks for being the best sponsor ever and maker of the best wireless headphones ever. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com to save $50 on endurance bundles. That is all for today. Go be well, be good, and thanks for joining me on the run.